You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you are the best church members on the planet or just all crazy. (laughs) You might just be the best church members on the planet to be here today. About half of them are gone, but we're so glad to have those of you here that are here. It's a terrible day of weather, but with God, there's no such thing as a terrible day. There's only a bad attitude or a good attitude. Miss Ann's reminding me that uh, she and I have to leave today. We're going to have to leave kind of early. Uh, we're going to, when I dismiss and pray, we're going to call the elders up to be here for you, to pray for you if you need any prayer today, any ministry like that. Because we have to run and get in the car and drive back to Tulsa. And one of the boys, one of the, one of the guys, one of the pastors in our fellowship is getting married. He's 25 years old and thinks it's time to get a wife. And he duped this, uh, he found this one girl <laughs> into marrying him. <laughs> and uh, they're going to get married at 4 o'clock today, so we've got to get in the car and get back to Tulsa. And it's, it's going to be a three-hour drive up there. So uh, we're not being rude when we scoot out of here, okay? Y'all understand we just got to hit the road, especially with this weather like it is. All right, let's, we're talking about the laws of the new covenant. Now, you all know, you, I hope you understand from my teaching and the teaching of Paul's doctrine that you are not, never made justified by the law. Righteousness does not come by how you perform. Righteousness comes by what you believe. It, all before in the Word, and many, 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 many churches today still preach a righteousness, right, righteousness that comes by how you perform. But righteousness does not come by how you perform. Righteousness comes by what you believe. That's right. And specifically, what you believe about Jesus. Yes. What you believe about what He did. Christ died for our sins, says it all. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now listen, that means that Christ died for your sins. There's nothing for you to do about your sins but believe that that happened. Is this too simple or what? Religion has made this so hard. Religion has made it all about how bad you can, re- you, you can repent, how much, how much sorrow you can have in your heart, how much repentance you can pour out. It's not about how, much, how sorry you feel for your sins. It's about how well He died for your sins. Yes. You, don't have to be, you don't have to be all beat up and sad because Jesus died. Jesus did what He did because He wanted to do it. They didn't, they didn't murder Him. They didn't murder him at all. He gave his life and he proved it. Even the Romans couldn't have killed him. Who do you seek? And they all fell down. This all fell down. Stand back up, boys. We've got to, we've got to do this. You stand up again. Now, now, who are you looking for? Uh, you tell him. They couldn't, they couldn't take his life. He came and gave his life. So you don't have to feel sorry for Jesus. Remember we said this last week. Stop feeling sorry for poor little Jesus had to die for your sins, you filthy sinner. That's the way the gospel is mostly preached. You aren't such a filthy, nasty sinner, God wouldn't have had to send his son to die for you, you creep. 
That's what they make you feel. Am I right? And many of you know what I'm talking about. God loved you. And he loves you today. He came after you. Glory to God. He came after you in Christ. So your righteousness is of him through what you believe about his son Jesus. Now, having said that, we know that he nailed the law of Moses to the trees. Colossians chapter 2 is real clear about he, him fulfilling the law. Matthew chapter 5 said, Not one jot, not one tittle of it will pass away until all is fulfilled. And the until word is about the fulfillment. That means that it did pass away the moment he was fulfilling it. And he nailed it to the cross, glory to God, killing it just like he killed himself in some, some measure, not suicide, you understand what I'm saying. The way he, when, when he was killed on the cross, he killed the impact of the law and made it impossible for anybody to be called righteous through the efforts of the law. Amen. Through how you perform. Amen. Somebody said, well, there are still laws. There are still laws. There are still laws. But there's no laws for righteousness. That's what you've got to get in your mind. Paul says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Yes. Righteousness does not come three or four ways. It doesn't come two ways. It doesn't come five ways. It comes one way. Righteousness comes by faith. Yes. Glory to God. In this church we've learned. We read Romans chapter 4 and we shout out, Faith without works is righteousness. Romans chapter 4 says, Faith without works is righteousness. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I know where your mind went. Your mind went to the word dead. All right. Having said that, we do find laws in the new covenant. And the law we talked about last week was what? Anybody remember? The law of faith. We talked about what faith does for you. Praise God. I'm a faith teacher. I feel sorry for those of you who don't believe it. If you had not got on to the faith message of the, of the Word of God, you need to. Your life's going to be better the day you do. The day you see it, you're going to get, get happy. I never met one person that hated the faith message that was happy. <laughs> never met one that hated the faith message that was happy. They're all you know, scowling and always trying to get people to feel bad about their sin and stuff like that. Man, oh man. Oh, holler goes light on sin. I don't go light on sin. I go death on sin. Amen. Jesus died to take it away. Yeah. Death should die. Sin should die. And it did. I just said it's already passed. Glory to God. You see, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Who? The world. Now you know what it means to be saved by grace. God's hand of grace reached down and wiped away the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world. It's already accomplished as far as heaven is concerned. Then later on in that same passage, he says, We pray you in Christ's stead, in place of Christ being here begging you, we're going to beg you now, be reconciled to God. Wait a minute, I thought we said, you said we were reconciled to God. He didn't say we were reconciled to God. It said God was reconciled to us. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. 
didn't say we were reconciled to God yet. It said God reconciled the whole world unto Himself. That it means He made Himself reconciled to the world. That's what He did. And then He says, and then He begs us, now you be reconciled. What's that? Him reconciling Himself to us is grace. Us reconciling ourselves to Him is faith. You are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Glory to God. And after you get into this covenant, you have some laws that you can now work for your advantage and work for your benefit. You have some laws. One of the laws is you've got to understand in Galatians chapter 3 that you are already redeemed from every curse that was ever put out there. Christ became a curse for everyone who believes and trusts in Him. So there's no curse on you today. Tell two people, there's no curse on you today. Even those things your mother-in-law said at Christmas, they don't count. They don't count. <laughs> She's wrong. You're not cursed. You're blessed. See, in the old covenant, when they made a, when they made a covenant, they had blessings and curses. Mount Gerizim, Mount Chorazin, I think it was. There were two mountains. And they, they shouted curses on one mountain and blessings on the other. That's how you made a covenant. This is what's going to happen if you do right. This is what's going to happen if you do wrong. And the Old Testament is full of it. You read Deuteronomy chapter 28. One fifth of that chapter is all blessing, 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 blessings. Four fifths of the chapter, it's a huge chapter, is all curses, 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 curses. Hebrews chapter 8 says, Christ is a mediator of a better covenant based upon better promises. Not one word about Him basing this on curses. He became the curse to take it away and now you have a covenant that's built on promises alone. Come on, somebody shout amen. This is good news. You have a covenant that's now based on blessings alone. Hallelujah. He nailed the curse to the tree. That's what it means. Christ died for us. He wasn't dying because somebody killed him. He was dying to do something for you. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so happy today. Amen. Woo, glory. I want to preach a little bit, I think. Amen. I'm normally a teacher. So we talked about the law of faith last week. I'm trying to get to the point today. Today we're going to talk about the law of the Spirit. This is the second law in the New Covenant. The law of the Spirit. And we start in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. It didn't say it's trying to make me free. It didn't say we're hoping we're finally going to be free one day. It didn't say somewhere out there in the sweet by and by we'll be free. He says, I am free right now. Amen. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free. It didn't, didn't set me free. It made me free. There's a difference in being set free and made free. I may it never be. 
They cannot take your citizenship away from you. They can make the they can make you wish you were dead, but they can't make you not be a citizen. They can keep you from voting. They can take certain rights from you. You can't carry a gun. I've got a few friends that can't carry guns. Because I've priests in lots of prisons. <laughs> Made friends with bad people. So don't mess with me. I have the numbers. I got their phone numbers. She is trying to be set free. I, on the other hand, was made free. Over here in Love County. Glory to God. have been born into a kingdom that created you free. The law of the spirit of life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You were never born. You were not, you're not trying to get loose from the law or trying to get loose from sin. You were recreated into the image of Christ Jesus on the inside so that you will never be a slave to sin. And it sets you free from that law that says if you sin, you die. That's what that's saying. Set me free from the law, made me free from the law of sin and death. That is, it's an equation. It's an equation. Law plus sin equals death. There's the equation. Let me ask you something. You good Christians in this room, most of you I'm, I'm sure are saved. Born again. Most of you are probably spirit-filled. Have any of you ever done anything you knew was displeasing to you and to God? Let me see your hand right quick. Since you've been saved. Carolyn didn't raise her hand. Carolyn's the only perfect person in the world. <laughs> I kind of suspected that. <laughs> I, I could have guessed it, but. 
but you're still here, you're still in fellowship with God, God still loves you, and you know it, and you're, you're, you see, you didn't die and go to hell. Because you were made free from the law of sin and death, from that equation that says sin plus, uh, law plus sin equals death. Made free. But I find that the people of God have barriers to this law of the Spirit. And I want to take you to John chapter 4 today and walk you through an interesting story, a story I find highly interesting and wonderful, where Jesus meets with a woman, a Samaritan woman. Now remember, she's not a Gentile exactly. She claims to be a daughter of Jacob, which means she's an Israeli. And Jesus said, I came to find the, I did not come for Gentiles, but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So she qualifies for his ministry. Although Jews typically did not have anything to do with Samaritans because they were sort of half-breed Samaritans, half-breed Israelis. They had intermarried with the, with the pagan peoples of the land. When the, when the carrying away into Babylon happened, well, pagan people re-infiltrated the Holy Land and the Samaritans that had come back and settled, they began to intermarry with them and try to set up Israel again in, Mount, uh, in the mountain of Samaria rather than down in Jerusalem. And when the Jews then started coming back to the land under Cyrus and Darius, uh, they, uh, they despised these Samaritans. Okay? Let's take our Bible and turn to John chapter 4, and I'll read it with you. Starting with verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John though he himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Samaria is between Galilee and Judea. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the ground, parcel of ground that, that uh, Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied and with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was done about the uh, sixth hour. Then, then there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You're going to find out there's some barriers to the things of the Spirit. Jesus is trying to get to the things of the Spirit. Y'all know how this ends with Him saying God is the Spirit. He's trying to have a conversation with her about what it is to be born anew from the inside by the Spirit of God. He's trying to start this conversation with her, and she is clueless. <laughs> clueless. In verse 9, it appears that she's prejudiced. Am I right? What does she say? How is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me who am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Why are you talking to me? Prejudice is one of the largest, one of the biggest, worst barriers to the flow of the Spirit in your life that there is. And God has always proven this. 
all through the years. When the outpouring of the Spirit came uh, in the turn of the last century, in 1900, uh, the great, it happened in Topeka, Kansas first, or in Baxter, Baxter Springs, Kansas, I think it was, and uh, near Topeka. Uh, when it happened there, under Charles Parham's ministry, it was a, just a group of white people. But he went to Houston and started a church, an apostolic church down there, and an amazing thing happened. There was a little black man that sat out there named Pappy Seymour with one eye, and he listened to Parham preach. And that black man took that message of the spirit-filled life out to California and started a revival in a little mission church that he called Azusa Street. Glory to God. It was on Azusa Street. And people began to go there from all around the world. Red and yellow, black and white. Every, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue began to go there. The power of the spirit broke out. And people weren't even concerned about what color anybody was, they say. Back in those days, everybody was concerned about that. But nobody was concerned about it then because the flow of the Spirit just, just crushed all that prejudicial nonsense. Come on, can I have a good amen? She was prejudiced. She said, you're a Jew. It's a great hindrance to the flow of the Spirit. Her first one to show up, she found a reason. Let me get you to the next thing. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto me, thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. What's he talking about? Water or the Spirit? spirit. He's talking about the Spirit, but he hadn't said Spirit yet, has he? All he said is water. Notice her next thing. The woman said unto him, Sir... You have nothing to drink, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then, from whence then hast thou that living water? That's barrier number two, carnality. The carnal mind is a great enmity with the things of the Spirit. Sometimes you're going to hear Miss Ann say things, and you're going to think, why is she doing that? Why do we got to do that? Why... Who, I don't, I don't think we can afford that. No, no offense, Greg. <laughs> uh, Greg's a good sport. He lets me pick at him. But if you think with your mind too much about any part, any aspect, you see somebody getting delivered up here, somebody getting de demons cast out of them, you know, and the way they act, some people, the way they worship, you look at them and say, well, that guy. He's throwing, him, throwing his body into worship. Ah! Screaming like that. And you got some judgment on that. Gosh, I can't believe that guy acts that way. Let me tell you something. You don't know what he's going through. You don't know what he's dealing with out there. He's doing all he can. Yeah, but I saw his car at the bar last night. What are you doing, monitoring the bar? <laughs> I wish everybody who was at the bars last night was here today in church. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Because we'll win. If they keep coming here, they, we will win. Yeah. That stuff will leave them. <laughs> Glory to God. It's easy to get carnal. It's easy to think 
naturalistic in your thinking. Remember, the church of the living God is a spiritual, supernatural entity. We survive on miracle power called the Holy Ghost. Amen. Doesn't mean you don't get attacked. I've been attacked plenty. You preach like I preach, the devil's going to find some way to attack you. Sometimes with your best friends. Sometimes with your worst enemies. I've been attacked by both. And they all lost. <laughs> Frida Lindsay said, the, the founder of our school, the old gal who was a wonderful woman of God, she just, she's the old patriarch, matriarch, I should say, of, the, of our ministry there. And she, uh, she was something special. I love that woman. She said uh, one time, when I took over here, I had a man rise up and say that a woman should be the president of this organization and said he should be the organization, the president. Another one a few years later came and said that he, he felt like God was moving me out and then I needed to step aside for him to take over. And another one said that it's not right for women to be in the ministry. And, you know, I'm just glad to announce today that they're all dead. And I'm still here. <laughs> if you just refuse to die, you'll beat your enemies one way or the other, praise God. <laughs> she lived to be 96 years old. Now it lived all her enemies. That's a better way than the king of Spain when he was dying, Ferdinand when he was dying. <laughs> he was laying on the bed, you know. And <laughs> priest came in and was giving him his last rites and asked him, uh, O king, have, have you uh, forgiven all your enemies? He said, I have no enemies, for I have shot them all. <laughs> That's not exactly the Christian attitude right there. Uh, I guess it works. Look at verse 12. Barrier of the prejudice. Now look at verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? The pride barrier. I'll have you know, preacher, my mama bought this row of pews. I've been a part of this church long before you got here. That's what the kind of stuff preachers hear. If you move that piano where my mama sat there and played that piano, my mama was a church piano player. But I, I, uh, I've heard horror stories about new preachers coming in trying to change things and people losing their minds over moving a picture. <laughs> you did what? Gosh. I didn't know that was attached to your liver. Gosh. People get prideful of who they are and the naturalistic carnality and prejudices that they build up. All of these are barriers to the Spirit. You have a law of the Spirit that gives you a way to live that is so much higher than all that. 
so much higher than all that. Verse 13, 14, 15. I want to get down to verse 15. We've got three barriers she's, she's shown us so far. Verse 13. Jesus answered said to her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come. I love this piece. I love this piece, don't you? Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. I love the fact that Jesus didn't scold her for that. Didn't call her an adulterating you know what. <laughs> he didn't call her that. He says, you have well said. You almost see him winking. You well said there little girl. I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What'd you do? Give up on marriage altogether? Not condemning her. He just giving her the facts. No condemnation here. Just giving her the facts. As he sees them. You've had five husbands and he, he whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you said truly. You didn't call her a liar. But you and I both know that was dishonesty. I think I may have, did I read verse 17? I meant to read verse 15. I'm sorry, I, I skipped it. Well, I'll just talk about dishonesty. Dishonesty. For the Spirit of God to have flow in your life, you've got to get honest with yourself. I've talked to a lot of people through the years about the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And when I bring up speaking in tongues, it's amazing to me how negative some folks get. Well, well, well. Why are you so negative about something so wonderful? Where did this come from? I never see in the Bible where they ever, ever, ever... Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I'm just saying in the Bible, they never questioned if somebody was speaking in tongues, they never questioned if that was from God or not. Right. Not even one time. Right. Well, we've got to test this spirit. <laughs> they never said that. They heard us speaking in tongues. Oh, that's God. Yeah, but that would do. Hey, better, 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 better. When they started speaking in tongues, hey, that's God. We know it when we hear it. People speaking in tongues is God. That's why they said it every single time they heard it. Yeah. I wonder where in the modern times we think it can be of the devil or of the flesh or oh, they're just making that up. It sounds like it's just gibberish to me. Where did it come from? It come from men thinking they know more than God knows. Pride. The pride of religious men. You don't have any right, you don't have any scriptural right to judge somebody speaking in tongues. That's whether it's from God or not. In the Bible, it was always from God. Never even see them questioning if it's from God or not. Where did this negativity come from? 
You understand what I'm getting at? I'm telling you, it's a barrier to the Spirit. Let's look up at verse 15. I missed that verse 15. Verse 15 says, The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. One of the barriers to the Spirit is selfishness. 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 Can anybody tell me why the apostles were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, the day we call the day of Pentecost? You know there's a Pentecostal uh, feast every year. It comes seven weeks after Easter. Y'all know this? Everybody know this? It does. It comes every year. We, we talk about being Pentecostal. Some of us do. I was born and raised a Pentecostal. But I got to studying the Bible and history. Found out they have one every year. And I found out that the disciples were not in Jerusalem on that day when the Holy Ghost came. They were not there to receive the infilling of the Spirit. That is not why they were there. That was a byproduct of them being there, but that was not why they had gathered together there. They were Jews, and they were there, not for their own selfish purposes, but Pentecost has another name. Pentecost is the, the feast of first fruits. Its primary reason is not to have a big feast. Its primary reason is so they can come and bring the biggest offering of the year. Amen. I'm going to try this side over here. <laughs> Their primary reason for being there was to bring the biggest offering they brought all year. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And while they were bringing their biggest offering of the year, Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Selfishness is a barrier to the flow of the Spirit. And I found that when the Holy Ghost is flowing, people will just uh, empty their pockets. That's why we're going to be a Spirit-filled church. We're always going to talk like this. We're always going to have these experiences. We're going to have these services where sometimes we stay at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's happened here. We're going to always do that kind of thing because we want to give the Holy Ghost a right to be the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. This is good. Always going to give Him the right. Then that way we don't have to beg you for money. We're not going to beg you for money. The Holy Ghost creates a generous heart. But selfishness is a barrier. And look down at verses 19 and 20. 19 and 20. Then the woman said unto him, Sir, after he told her everything about herself, and she was dishonest with him, even though he didn't rebuke her for it, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Wow, how perceptive of you. <laughs> he just told you everything about your life and you perceive that he's a prophet. <laughs> I like that. You can almost hear her voice change. She becomes real AG. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Laughter <laughs> 
Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Wow. Religion barrier. Barrier number six. The barrier of religion. Yeah, this one stinks. This one is the worst one. Yeah. Religious barrier. It stinks higher than the pride barrier. It stinks worse than the selfishness barrier. It stinks worse than the, than the uh, prejudice barrier. This speaks of the depths of humanity at its worst. Religion. Claiming to know God but denying Him and denying His power. Knowing nothing about the Spirit. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. This is like, it's like Jesus just exploded now. I want you to hear this diatribe he goes on. God bless her little heart. She has no idea who she's got here by the hand, by the ear, I mean. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour comes when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We worship for salvation is of the Jews. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. It's the first time He said spirit. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He just exploded and finally used the word spirit. First time He used the word. Listen to this. Notice what she says next. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming. What? I know Messiah is coming. What? How did you get from being so carnal and prejudicial and prideful and deceitful? How did you get from there, those six barriers, to that? I know Messiah is coming. How did she do it? Did he say, I was, I'm the Messiah? No. What brought her from talking about her religious nonsense to talking about Jesus? The Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You do not exalt Jesus and get people to turn to Jesus by downplaying the activities of the Holy Ghost. You get people to acknowledge Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, by upplaying the Holy Ghost. Because Messiah means anointed with the Holy Ghost. That's what Messiah means, anointed one. When you talk about the Spirit, you're talking about Jesus, and the world knows it. They'll acknowledge Him if you'll acknowledge the Spirit. If you acknowledge the Spirit, they will acknowledge Him. It's right the opposite of what, of what religion says. Listen to me. On the day of Pentecost, that first day, they, they spoke in other tongues and Peter stood up and preached a message. And 3,000 people got saved by in, in, direct, in direct connection, direct response to the Holy Ghost showing up and people speaking in other tongues. It doesn't drive people away. It, if, if it drives people away, it drive, it's driving away the right people. Are you hearing me? If you listen real close, so you can almost hear it. You hear it? You hear that? Anybody hear that crashing? 
You hear that crashing? I hear it crashing. I hear all her barriers come tumbling down. As she says, Messiah's coming. I know he's coming. And she got that revelation because Jesus preached to her about the Spirit. Glory to God. It's a law. It's a law. The Spirit must be alive and active in the church. Glory to God. It's a law. How many, how many barriers did she have? Six. Prejudice, carnality, pride, selfishness, dishonesty, and religion. She had six barriers. Let me ask you something. How many men had she had in her life? I wonder if there's any correlation between these barriers against God and these relationships, these bad relationships she was in. Oh, somebody said. That's a pretty good amen. That's getting it on a different level. <laughs> then she runs back to town. You notice the, the text. Later on in the same passage, she runs back to town. She says, come see a man. <laughs> like everybody's going, another one? <laughs> but this, man, this time... She met man number seven, the perfect man. Glory to God. Hallelujah. She met the seventh man. Glory to God. Amen. I want to ask you just bow your heads. I'm done for the day. I could preach another hour, but I'd be saying the same things over and over. I want you just to hear, hear the story with your eyes closed if you don't mind. I began to pray, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with the Spirit because everybody I know that's worth anything is, speaks in tongues, and I want it too. I want it on my resume, you know. Went to college. Speaking tongues. But I couldn't get it in church. Most people do, but I couldn't for some reason. I had everybody lay hands on me and it didn't work. I was lying in bed one night and I said, God, I gotta have this. Lord, I want this so bad. I finally threw the covers off the bed got out of the bed and went into the kitchen because I had heard that a woman re related to my pastor had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost in her kitchen. So I thought, well, I'll try the kitchen. So I went into the kitchen, knelt down on the floor, and began to pray in tongues for the first time. It worked. It wasn't about the kitchen. It was about a connection to my faith. You have a right to be filled with the God's Spirit. You have a right to live in the law of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. You have a right. You have a right to have the power of God in your life. In John chapter 1, we see Jesus naming Nathan and Philip brings, I think it's Nathaniel, 
Jesus said, a man in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel says, that's amazing. You're the son of God. How do you know me? He said, I saw you under the fig tree. The Bible doesn't call that a miracle. It says in chapter 2 that Jesus turned the water into wine, and that was his first miracle. Well, what was that other? Where he saw in the Spirit Nathaniel under the fig tree. That was just normal, Spirit-filled life. Normal, Spirit-filled life. It is the will of God for you to have an advantage out there in the work world. It is the will of God for you to have an advantage in everything you do. That's why He brought you into the things of the Spirit, so you could learn to lean on the Spirit, learn to rely on the Holy Ghost. He will speak to you. He will show you. He give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, so you can walk in the Spirit every day. Let the barriers fall. If you're prejudiced today, repent of that prejudicial attitude. If you're carnal, stop being carnal. That's just a choice you can make. Think in the things of the Spirit. Think along the lines of the Word of God. If you've got pride in your life, you're probably the last to know it, but if your wife says it, it's probably true. If your husband says it, it's probably true. You can deal with these things by letting the Spirit into your life, and He will, make it, he will become your law. You don't have to memorize the Scriptures to have the law written in your heart by, the, by virtue of the presence of the Spirit in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet now. I want our elders and our leaders to come, pastors to come, all that are here. Today we've got quite a few people out. Our leadership is here to pray with you today. And here's what I want you to, where I want you to start with this, based on this message of the law of the Spirit. Maybe you're already spirit-filled. Maybe you've, you've had the experience of speaking in other tongues. Maybe that's your, 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 your uh, experience, and that's good. But maybe you don't have ready access to it. I meet a lot of Christians. I ask them, when's the last time you, you prayed in tongues? I don't remember. You should be able to say every time today or that yesterday. You should be able to have ready access to this wonderful gift that's in you by virtue of the Spirit. Because it will, give you, it will give you a way to respond to the, the exigencies of life. It will give you a way to respond right now. You instantly move into the Spirit by praying, praying in tongues. Paul said it like this. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. If you, if you pray in tongues, he says that you are giving thanks well. You may not always know what to say in your normal language, but when you're praying in tongues, glory to God. Y'all have heard me preach this way before. I want all God's people to enjoy the presence of the Spirit of God and the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. God wants you to have a freedom in that. And stop letting the religious voices out there that have made this something negative enter into your head. This is one of the most positive things that can ever happen to you. It's a wonderful thing. It doesn't make you weird. Well, it does a little bit. I have to admit, it makes you a little, <laughs> makes you a little weird. But it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful kind of weird. All right? So today, if you have any depth of understanding about where you are spiritually, I need a refilling. We read in the Bible that they got refilled. These elders came full today. 
Amen. They came filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. They're going to be here to minister to you and pray for you right now. Let's sing. Let's sing something. Sherry, you got something to sing? Amen. Amen. Now, Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for the power of the Spirit that is here in this place today. That your word has gone out there and the barriers have come tumbling down. And I thank you for this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has made us free from the law of sin and death. So that we can walk in freedom and joy and peace every day of our lives in the things of the spirit. Bless your people now. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Bless them with wholehearted understanding and experience in the things of God's glory. In Jesus' name. Y'all come now. Come now. Receive ministry this morning. Everybody in the building ought to get hands laid on them today. This is the last Sunday of the year. This is the last Sunday of the year. Start it off right. Let your elders minister to you. Praise God.